and welcome back to the Cisco UKI podcast, the podcast where we take the acronyms out of tech and we put the fun in. Hey Rosie! Hi Claire, how are you? Good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Are you feeling refreshed after the Christmas holidays? I am, yeah. I feel like it was quite chill this Christmas and New Year. I mean, obviously there were still COVID restrictions. Everyone seems to be getting COVID left, right and centre. I have to say our household managed to avoid it. And I don't really know how, but it almost feels like a bit of an Olympic sport if you can avoid COVID right now. So yeah, we luckily didn't have it. Um, And it was just chill. My sister had a baby. That was exciting. It's exciting. I know. So we were having to be extra careful, obviously, just because um, she was pregnant and we wanted to be careful with the baby and stuff. So, yeah, but yeah, the baby came, baby Leo. um, He's beautiful. So, yeah, I'm now an auntie again. So for my sister. And yeah, how was yours? Yeah, it was good. We we were the same. We managed to avoid COVID. uh, So I feel like that was an achievement in itself. Um, but you know, it was actually so nice having the Cisco shut down over Christmas because it just meant we came back to no internal emails. Everyone was starting fresh at the same time and it was a well-deserved break for everyone, I think. So feeling good, feeling excited for the new year, but you've already had an exciting start to the new year, haven't you? I have. So I have been really lucky actually to be able to travel already, but I've been down to just outside London to our office at Bedfont Lakes, which was exciting. So, um, just before Christmas, we were chatting away to a customer who showed some interest in some of our WebEx boards that we have, the new one. Um, and yeah, so they were really keen to come and see them. So they flew over um, down to Bedfont to see us. And yeah, it was brilliant. That was the first time I'd ever been down at Bedfont Lake. So the office is amazing. Um, and obviously, I'm in collaboration. So the Customer Experience Centre is like legit Disneyland for collaboration. Like it is so cool. Like, Basically, all the kind of devices I've not got to see in real life yet are all there. Like, and it's all, it basically is just like a kind of like testing center where we bring our customers to have a look at everything that we've got. So it was brilliant. The customers really seemed to enjoy it. I loved it. I even got a sneak peek at WebEx Hologram, which is so exciting. So this is like the the latest innovation coming out of WebEx. And I got a wee sneak peek at it. So that was so cool. Um, So yeah, it was really fun last week. This week? It was this week. Yeah. Um, and yeah, all rolls into one. (laughs) Oh, I know, absolutely. Um, so anyway, what have we got coming up on today's show, Rosie? Well, we've got a a really exciting show today. We've got Gary and Joe from Meraki who are going to be telling us a bit more around what Meraki is like and what they enjoy about selling Meraki. And uh, I think you'll agree once you've spoken to them, Claire, that they are so enthusiastic and it just comes across in the way they speak so looking forward to it today and then we turn it on its head and we actually just talk around well-being starting the new year and how to potentially set goals if you haven't already or what things you can be doing to kind of combat stress as we're going into the new year Ah, brilliant. Yeah, that's a good way to start the new year. I think we had such good feedback from the December episode where we injected some joy before the festive season. And I think we thought maybe going into January would be a good idea just to start afresh, um, kind of inspire everyone that's listening with some of our ideas on how we motivate ourselves and how we de-stress. So yeah, hopefully everyone enjoys our chat with Joe and Gary. Um, So yeah, shall we go and just roll the interview? Let's jump into it. Brilliant. See you on the other side. So guys, thank you so much for joining us. We have Joe and Gary here from Meraki. I'm not going to do too much of an intro here. I'm going to kick off and pass over to you guys. So um, Rosie and I were having a bit of a catch up um, just to see how our Christmas and New Year went. And we have told everyone that you guys are coming to join us today. So as we know, Cisco is a pretty big organisation and there's lots of different aspects within this business. And one that we hear loads about is Meraki. And I'm delighted that you guys have come on today's episode to tell us a wee bit more about the business. Um, so Gary, why don't we start with you and then you can pass over to Joe, just do some intros and then we can just have a bit of a chat and you can tell us all about the wonderful world that is Meraki. Yeah, perfect. Thanks, Colette and Rosie. So yeah, my name is Gary Daly. I look after the Cisco Meraki business for Ireland and Scotland. Very proud of that. And basically what Meraki is, is we connect passionate people um, to their mission 
you know, by simplifying the digital workplace, essentially. And we have a range of different products, which I'm sure we'll discuss from Wi-Fi, switching, cameras, IoT, to use a few, a few acronyms. Um, and yeah, it's just very simple, secure, and intelligent uh, technology. Perfect. And Gary, and thank you, Colette and Rosie, for having me on as well. I'm Joe Weiss. I look after our global sales team for our Internet of Things products. That's our smart cameras and our uh, intelligent sensor technology. Brilliant. Thanks, guys. Um, so, Gary, we're going to come back to you. You did mention an acronym there. You said IoT. So, Rosie and I do have a rule in this podcast. So, this is a podcast that doesn't have acronyms. So, um, that is part of the rule when you come on our show is to try and break down the barriers of the tech world and simplify it. And let's just imagine that no one knows what Meraki is and what IoT is. So, just take us back to like the beginning. Give us some simple, a wee simple explanation about what exactly exactly is it that Meraki does? What is the technology? How do people use it in their day-to-day lives? Yeah, for sure. So basically, to go back to the start, Meraki basically started off as a research project in MIT, so the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, and they were providing uh, basically free Wi-Fi uh, for the campus, uh, essentially over there. And essentially what that is, if you go into, I guess, any university today or any airport or hospitality, you you connect to the Wi-Fi, you look for your hotel A, you connect to the Wi-Fi there. Um, and obviously, if you're going through an airport, you know, with these Wi-Fi access points that Meraki originally had, you're able to connect no matter where you are as you roam around. So that's really what we did first was basically simplifying connecting to the Internet, I, I guess, for people indoor and outdoor. So that's where it actually started from. And it's expanded from there. You know, we, we do things like you know, security at the back of this. And then the IoT portfolio, which I'm going to hand over to Joe because he is uh, the IoT guru here. So, Joe, if you could break that down, that'd be great. Sure. Not a problem at all, Gary. Uh, When we talk about IoT, we're talking about the Internet of Things. And for those of you guys that maybe don't know what that means, it's a pretty broad topic. But the Internet of Things are really devices that aren't computers that are connected to the Internet. So. Things like your uh, Amazon Echo or Dot or your Ring doorbell or your Nest camera or your Cisco Meraki smart cameras and sensors are all considered Internet of Things products because they're not traditional computers or tablets or phones. And these things, well, they communicate with each other in our machine-to-machine communication, and they communicate with the Meraki cloud. Um, And that's really what makes these devices special, is that when you deploy them, when you leverage them from Meraki, they're very, very simple and easy to deploy and use. Um, They deploy with push of a button or work when you plug them in. And that's really the secret behind successful products that are, are part of this Internet of Things category. Um, as you can probably imagine, there's millions and now almost billions of these types of devices out there, uh, and and they're growing exponentially. Uh, in the next few years, we're going to see upwards of a trillion devices. It's just such a big number. It's a, you know, a thousand billion devices connected to the internet, and most of which are these Internet of Things devices, where you have many of them around your house or in your business, all to provide you rich contextual information as you move around. Yeah, and the beauty about Meraki is, yeah, that was a really good explanation, but I think the beauty of what Meraki is and the core of it is what Gary touched on is just the simplicity. Like, um, Sarah Eccleston did a video of deploying a switch and it took two minutes from taking it out of the box to having it on the Meraki dashboard. I think for small businesses or, you know, just businesses that don't have a large IT team, it's such a perfect fit because it doesn't take much management time at all. So, guys, I'm going to even take this back another level, okay? So I always come in as the voice of no tech here, no tech background. But what do you even mean by when you're talking about switches? Okay, so let's just imagine that not everyone listening to this is actually going to listen from an IT background. So what are we actually meaning when we say businesses need switches? What do switches do? What are the benefits? And why are why is it so easy to have a Meraki switch over someone else's switch? I'm happy to take that question. 
Uh, so switches are, I like to think of them like power strips, but for data. It's a place that all of your connected devices plug into so that they can communicate with each other and with the internet. So when you get a internet connection, it'll often come in as a single connection. And then you use uh, a router and a switch to be able to distribute that connectivity to all of your devices to provide your Wi-Fi connectivity, as well as provide like hardwired or plugged in connectivity for devices like computers and copiers and even some like refrigerators and other appliances use these hardwired connections. And those all connect to the switch. And the switch is what basically allows everything to connect together. And what makes Meraki switches so special and different is they're entirely managed from the cloud. So before they even show up to your site, you could begin configuring them online in the Meraki cloud, in the Meraki dashboard at Meraki.com, where you securely log in. And then when that switch shows up to your site, because you want to be able to share that internet connection with all of your devices, well, when you plug it in for the first time, it wakes up and it goes, well, who do I belong to? Whose switch am I? And what, what should my configuration be like? And traditionally with others in the space, that would be a very manual thing. You'd have a, like a command line like you see in the movies, type in all of these commands to configure it. But with Meraki, because it's designed to be simple and easy to deploy, all of that robust, even enterprise-grade security and configuration is just automatically delivered down to it, just like you'd find for any of your other devices you buy in your house. Just like when you connect your you know, Amazon Echo for the first time, it reaches out and says, I'm part of your family now. Give me uh, access to your video or to your front door camera, and I will show that to you uh, when someone comes in. So it is it is truly simplifying all of this really complicated technology and, and making it really easy for you know a small business customer, someone who doesn't have a lot of experience in IT, to be able to to plug in and just have it work. So that was going to be my next question. So I don't have a switch in my house. I wouldn't need one for my devices. But what are examples of businesses? I mean, we're we talking from small business right through. Like, what would be an example of how a small business might use one of our switches? It could be to power their phones. It could be to sort of power the, their cameras as well. Um, printers, as an example. So they might need a small sort of eight port PoE, which is power over Ethernet switch as well. Um, and just to even sort of simplify the analogy more, it's, it's almost like if I go and order a taxi now, I go on to Uber and it's just a really simple sort of graphical user interface. So when you're setting up Meraki, it's the exact same thing. Like as Joe said, there's no sort of matrix code flying around the place. It's all just very simple, gooey, almost like a social media site in a way. Like it's very intuitive. You know where to click, you know how to configure things and monitor as well. So that's probably. The, the simplest analogy, I would think. And Joe, I think last time we caught up, you were explaining a story about a small business that's close to home for you. Yeah. So explain to us how Meraki is used for small businesses and show us the, tell us about the example that you have. Yeah, I definitely have a few. We work with small business customers across the world. And um, one of them is very near and dear to my heart. Uh, so my mom has a small business. Uh, she works with and has a team of 50 that helps support children with autism. So uh, everything from uh, classroom to uh, physical therapy uh, to speech therapy, the whole range. And because you know she runs a small business, she had a lot of technology in there to help with monitoring, help with students. And a lot of it was really complicated. And when I joined Meraki, I started having conversations with her about her business and modernizing it with simple and easy managed stuff from Cisco. And the first thing she said to me is, Joe, I'm a small business. Like, we can't afford Cisco products. That's for only the biggest companies. And I was like, yeah, mom, maybe for some of the stuff that Cisco makes, it's for the biggest companies. But actually... We make a whole range of products that are built for every size business, even a small business. Now, of course, she didn't believe me at first until I showed her. And then they started to make the move over to Meraki. And they 
installed some security cameras for the outside so they could see patients coming in and out, making sure that the facility was safe. And then from there, we launched our, our sensor technology last year. Um, and so I sent her a box of sensors for her building uh, to help give her more insight when she wasn't there or when her staff said there was an issue to be able to find things easier. And so this box of equipment shows up at her house and I get a phone call and she goes, Joe, what the heck am I supposed to do with all of this stuff? And my mom, I love her. She's in her 60s. Uh, technology, she didn't grow up with the internet. It's not intuitive. It is it is something that we spend an awful lot of time talking about and the generational differences of being born in, a, in an era where technology is just, well, it is native for most, most of uh, my generation. And so this box shows up and I'm like, don't worry, mom, take it to the office. And when you get there, I'll walk you through how you set this stuff up. And she's like, I'm by myself. I don't know anything about this stuff. You always do this to me. And I'm like, it'll be fine. Don't worry. So I get a call like 15 minutes later when she gets to the office. She's like, all right, I'm here. Now what? And I said, okay, well, go ahead and take the first uh, package. Of and so she opened up a temperature and humidity sensor. Uh, I said, okay. I pull the tab for the battery. And she's like, okay, I've done that. I'm like, now push the button on the top. She's like, okay, it, it's blinking. And now it's blinking green. I'm like, all right, great. Now just go stick it on the wall. There's a magnet or some two-way tape in the box. And she's like, what do you mean stick it on the wall? And I'm like, well, yeah, it's done. It's deployed. She's what did what'd you do? I said, well, when you push that button, it automatically connected to the Meraki camera that we had installed front door. And now we know the temperature in your lobby. So if you have a heating issue or a cooling issue, you're going to know about it on your phone in the Meraki mobile app. And she's like, but how? And I'm like, well, it's all configured in the cloud. When we, when I placed the order, we tied it to your account so that when you took it out of the box for the first time, it just worked. And she's like, well, that was easy. What do I do with the rest of these? And I said, kind of the same thing, except for the door open, close one. We're going to put on the front door. We're going to put one on the back door. We're just got to make sure the magnets are aligned. And then in the back end, I'm going to tie those two sensors to your cameras on your door. So every time the door is open, you're going to get a picture on your phone. If uh, one of the children tries to open the door during hours for the emergency fire escape door, not only are you going to get an alert, the whole building will, and you'll get the picture and you'll get the notification within seconds. And that was really providing her some peace of mind because there's nothing more uh, sacred than, you know, really being responsible for all of these children. And, and for her, like one of the things that I know keeps her up at night is you have to have these fire exits and you have to have these fire safe doors that people can exit if there's an emergency and it can't remain locked. But also you have children that don't understand that you shouldn't be exiting out of those spaces. So having that technology there, the sensors and the cameras really provided her a ton of peace of mind. Since then, we've deployed water leak sensors. Um, she had a, a water ingress in one of her rooms, uh, I burst and they didn't find out about it. There was a lot of water damage. And so um, we put water leak sensors now in all of her like valuable areas where technology is being kept. Um, and in a few months, we'll be putting some air quality sensors in there as well. Because Meraki is going to be coming out with an air quality sensor so that she'll be able to measure uh, estimated carbon uh, dioxide, total volatile organic compounds, and particulate matter 2.5. I know these are these are big word, big, big subjects to pick on, but they're really what's in the air that people are breathing, whether that's finite dust particles or uh, chemicals. And and the Meraki sensors will be able to pick that air quality up so that a window can be open, so that better ventilation can be installed and better air quality and filtration can be put throughout the entire facility. Now, and the great thing is it's all just underpinned by this, this simple and easy to deploy cloud-managed technology. You don't, you don't have to be a technology expert. That's what Cisco does. You can just be a small business owner and deploy this stuff with ease, and it's, it's truly game-changing for our customers. Thanks for that, Joe. You actually just in that one story covered so much um, and so many different <laughs> examples of how the technology can be deployed. But I guess, Gary, I'll come to you. And 
one of the questions that I have is, um, so I obviously work in the collaboration side of the business and obviously with the pandemic and the way that the world just shifted overnight, that brought it so many, that brought with it so many challenges for businesses from a collaboration perspective. How do they communicate? But from like a Meraki perspective, what challenges are you seeing from customers, from businesses, small, medium, large? And what sort of solutions do we have that, that are helping businesses to kind of get out the other side of, of this challenge that they've had over the last couple of years? Yeah, for sure. I think like Joe hit the nail on the head there with the, the simplicity piece, because you imagine challenges like that for, you know, things like councils who have loads of different buildings, right? And we've had a lot of customers in, be it sort of banking, call centers who had to pivot to sort of overnight home working from home, essentially. So we do have, you know, a couple of different technologies. One of them is a teleworker device, which essentially just allows like a, a home user to actually connect securely back into the, you know, the headquarters so they can access files and documents. Um, and if they have any issues as well, the problem is without something like Meraki, IT will have no visibility because, you know, they're not there. They're not in the room with the actual uh, employees. So the teleworker device is great because they can actually just go, hey, you know, this is the issue. They can troubleshoot. Um, so, th so they're the types of things that we have. Also, everybody wants Wi-Fi now, um, especially during the pandemic. So we obviously help with those types of solutions. And, you know, don't forget that there is a Cisco logo on all of these Cisco Meraki uh, devices, which means that, you know, we take security really seriously. So there's security sort of built in behind all of the, the Meraki solutions. Yeah, and I think, you know, I love, I love that you brought up that Meraki is bringing out indoor air quality sensors, because um, that's definitely top of mind, especially in the UK at the minute around air quality and ventilations. I know you hear stories around schools having their windows open 24-7 while the kids are in because they need to understand what the air quality is like and, you know, for, for the spread of COVID. So now more than ever, it's it's important. Um, and I think it also just gives people peace of mind that when they're going into businesses and schools, that actually where they're going is a safe environment for them to be in terms of air quality and health, um, especially in this day and age. So it's amazing to hear that in the pipeline. Now, I didn't even know how bad the air quality was around me. It's not something I had even put much thought into a few years ago. Back when we started thinking about air quality sensors, it was pre-pandemic. And when we were talking about it, I was like, yeah, but who's really asking for that? I, I, I don't know what the air quality is in my house. I live in central London. I'm sure it's fine. Yeah, it turns out it's not. <laughs> Uh, I got a few air quality sensors and then immediately bought some air purification because I realized quite quickly that most of the day, uh, the air quality in my house isn't particularly good. Uh, and, and now with, you know, different things that have happened over the last few years, this is now top of mind. When I'm talking to friends from the Bay Area, well, they don't check the weather before they go out. They check the air quality. Because, you know, when you've got fires in the area or you have a lot of pollution, I, you need to know if you need to be protected. It's nothing worse than respiratory illness or, or fatigue because you, you aren't breathing great quality air. And I think it's, it's about time that we start treating the air we breathe like the water we drink, right? We make sure that we drink water from purifiers and that we have all of this technology around us to make sure that we're drinking clean water. But we haven't really put as much thought or effort into the air we breathe, and uh, you need both to sustain you. So uh, I think it's really good that we're starting to to dive into this at Cisco because it's what our customers expect. They don't they don't just want to buy a, a switch, a thing to connect other things. They're looking for well, they're looking for all of this technology to work together, right? To be yeah. orchestrated so that. The app on your phone tells you your air quality and your Wi-Fi and how your devices and your environment are performing. Um, yeah. I think that that's really the most exciting part about being you know, part of Cisco right now is you're seeing all of this powerful technology just come together in a single place that's easy to manage and it just makes sense. So I think we're, we're really kind of on the cusp of, uh, of some very, very powerful technology. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, we, we've gone way past the realms of, you know, technology is only for businesses that, you know, like tech businesses or, you know, that 
have that in their daily lives. Like I heard a great example around the air quality sensors and like actually um, paintings and how they were using the air quality sensors to make sure that they they weren't pre-aging the paintings. And I just thought like you would never think that, you know, going about your daily lives that actually that would make such a huge impact into the the quality of the paintings and keeping them in their prime condition. Yeah, it's all it's incredible. I um I do a lot of work with the museum groups here in the UK. Um and when I started talking to uh one of the one of them, um we spoke about some of their exhibits and the fact that you know they have these these artifacts that are hundreds and thousands of years old. And I asked like how do you how do you know what's going on in your building? You know, do you have sensors? He said, of course we have sensors. And I'm like, great. How do you manage them? He goes, we don't. We have nine different vendors. They all on different technologies and different planes. I'm like, so how do you know when something's gone wrong? He goes, usually someone tells us. And I'm like, so the sensor doesn't let you know. And he's like, no, unfortunately, because like these were put in at different points in time, we don't know if everything is operational all the time. And sometimes we won't get alerts until hours or days after an event has happened. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, these buildings, museums are older, right? They were built hundreds of years ago often. And, you know, I can think of one in London that floods all the time. And um, and so they love our water leak sensors because they get that alert and they know when something's happening and they always have security on. But security is there to secure the premises, not necessarily secure it from water. Um, in, in the past, it had always been too late for them. They'd find out they had water leaking into the basement and then they'd have you know, damage and potential loss. But um, after they deployed our water leak sensors, when they had a leak, they got an alert. And uh, instead of having a flooded basement, they just had to mop up a little bit of water and, and it helped stop it from coming in. So I think that, you know, it is for me, it's amazing uh, how this technology really uh, provides that proactive notification that that uh, protects some of the most valuable stuff we have as a country. Really, yeah, exactly. And I think like it's just it's just amazing. Like I, that's why I love working in tech is because actually you get to learn so much around different parts of the business. It's not just you know the IT business that we work with on a daily basis. It's literally you know facilities, HR, everyone, and you get to understand so many different aspects of a business. So just, that's why I just find so interesting. It's literally real life. Yeah, that was actually going to bring me on to my next question. So obviously we've spoken about museums and everything that the sensors can do there, but have you guys come across like any like really unique use cases for the technology? Like like really interesting stories or interesting businesses that you've worked with that have deployed the, the technology in quite a weird way or an interesting way? So there's a few that come to mind for me. Um, in Australia, we worked with their sheep farming association. Now, you have to understand, they're an interesting bunch. And what they really wanted to under just to know is like, how are sheep migrating? Where do they eat? Why don't they eat here? Do we have enough grass in the field? And so in order for them to study sheep, they would usually have to go to site. They'd send people out and then they'd take notes and they'd watch the sheep graze all day. And it wasn't like terribly effective, but connectivity is tough in the middle of Australia. Um, they've got often 3G, maybe sometimes 4G links, but certainly not 5G. Um, and power, obviously, is also a challenge. Um, so we worked with them, and they used our MV smart cameras. And the reason they selected them was because they were self-contained. So that means that they didn't need servers or banks of storage. They just plugged in a Meraki camera. And, and they're outdoor rated, so you could keep them outside. So they built these poles, and on the pole, there was a solar panel and a battery, and then there was a uh, 3G, 4G uh, gateway uh, router that allowed it to connect to the internet, and then there was a Meraki camera mounted on it, and the camera was connected to the internet and to the solar panel and the battery, and so it was completely self-contained, meaning they didn't need any wiring, they didn't need any power, camera just deployed. And so they deployed these all over, and then they use the built-in analytics and computer vision that's in the Meraki cameras to understand the sheep migration patterns empirically. So they get motion heat maps just out of the box. So they use these motion heat maps to look at, like, where are the sheep going 
on an hour by hour and a day by day basis. And they had all of this rich data that they could use now in the future for better farming and agriculture conditions. Um, and that's just like, I, I always find that as like a really fun use case because that's not why people buy cameras today. Most <laughs> people buy cameras for see, you know, for securing their properties. And then you have this, this group that's using them for not the purpose of security, but actually for intelligence and analytics and, and, and really doing something that it would normally be impossible to deliver um, in the middle of this type of uh, scenario. So I, I think that's really um, one of the most unique use cases I've heard. Um, but we're starting to see more and more of that as like computer vision which is the ability for smart cameras to be able to identify objects in an environment, like a cup of coffee, a bottle on a manufacturing line, a, a car or a person, for them to be able to recognize that object in real time and then alert against it. So we're seeing all kinds of like new and exciting demand pop up. So the need to measure occupancy, how many people have come into my building, with uh, Cisco's DNA Spaces and the Meraki smart cameras together, we actually have been helping our customers understand how people are moving through their facilities, how many people are in the building, how many people are in conference rooms, do I have the right space, how's my space being consumed? Because these are real world challenges. People are starting to return to office, but these aren't things that you would think about with a camera. You know, they're not top of mind because everyone just thinks of a camera as a security device. But but these new smart cameras can just do so much more. Amazing. That's such a cool example. I feel like I'm going to use that all the time when I talk about Meraki now. It's the sheep farming in Australia. <laughs> Gary? It probably is the best. It probably is the, the craziest one. I mean, I was probably going to mention that, but there was another one where a retailer wanted for Wi-Fi access points not for Wi-Fi, but because it has things like location analytics and it can sort of see the number of passers-by. So they wanted the Wi-Fi to be able to go back to the landlords and go, hey, you guys promised us you know, such an amount of footfall, but we're not getting that much. So can we please lower the rents? So that was why they actually wanted it, So, which was bizarre. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, yeah, I just love hearing the stories. I think it just helps to put the technology when you have context. Like you can, like, I need that. I definitely need to hear the use cases to understand how it works. So that was amazing. Just pivoting a little bit because we are going to move on to like, the next section of our chat shortly. Um, but Cisco's known, and I, well, I'm nine months in now. Rosie and I are both nine months in. And like a big part of joining for me was the culture that I'd heard about at Cisco. Like it is such a great place to work. Um, and then we hear like, so Meraki obviously is part of the Cisco organization, but you're kind of known for having like your own personality in Meraki too. So I'm just keen to understand a bit more about like the culture there. What's your favorite thing about working for Meraki and, and kind of what's your journey been like since you've joined? Yeah, I can, I can jump in first. So I, I actually joined as an account development rep and I'll always remember the recruiter called me and he goes, you've got to come interview here at Meraki. He goes, a guy just like skateboarder pass drinking green tea on, on a sales call. Um, and like everyone wears t-shirts. I think I asked when I was going for the interview, is it okay? I have a beard. And they're like, you'll be fine. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> so that was my initial one. And like we've had people join Meraki because they could feel the, energy over the phone like when you're talking to them because you might have someone on a skateboard and even me like i'm sort of i guess it's interesting i i thought i wouldn't be kicking around a football on the phone and i wouldn't go on a skateboard but within two hours of being on my first sales calls i was already on that so there's there is a great culture um i've been seven years plus but miraki now so uh yeah really happy dynamic culture so it's great yeah i i joined Meraki about five and a half years ago now. Um, and I started uh, looking after our Ireland, Scotland, and the North of England territory for the first few years uh, working for Meraki. The interesting thing was I, I didn't work for Meraki when I moved over from the U.S. I, I worked for a partner in the U.S. And um, when I got here, I said, the only place I really want to work is Meraki. I had sold Cisco Meraki technology for years in the channel in the, the U.S. with a reseller I worked for. 
And there was no one better. No one I enjoyed working with more than people at Meraki. When I talked to people about their office, the culture, how things were working there, everyone raved about it. They all talked about it's the best time they've ever had in their career. This is the place to be. Uh, and you know, I'm not going to lie, I got rejected quite a few times before I made my way to a recruiter. It's not an easy place to break into, um, but I was persistent. Uh, and and uh, you know, a few weeks after interviewing, I was able, uh, lucky enough to join. Um, and since then, I've been blessed in my career at Meraki. It's been an absolute, just wonderful place to be where um, you, know, you feel like your opinion matters and you can actually create change. Uh, I started as a sales rep and, and now I'm looking after our global uh, Internet of Things and camera business. So, you know, anything is possible, right? Your career is really your own. And if you work hard and you are smart and can figure things out, I see just the, the, the upside and the growth has just been absolutely tremendous. Oh, I love that. I'd love to give you a hundred points for correcting yourself and saying Internet of Things instead of IoT. I, I know too. Well done, Joe. But you can totally feel the passion from both of you guys. I mean, anyone that I've spoken to within the whole Cisco family, I feel like everyone is so passionate about what they do and they're passionate about the act. Not even just, it's about what our technology can do for society, for communities, for the customers that we help. So yeah, it's just amazing. And you can totally hear it from you guys, just how much you love your jobs, which is amazing. So um, we're going to pivot now. So Rosie and I, um, when we were chatting after our Christmas episode, thought, right, we're going to come into the new year. The Christmas episode was really fun. It was about igniting joy before the festive season. And then we've come into January and some people were still under COVID restrictions in some places. Some people have had a tough time over Christmas with restrictions. And we thought, right, January, how can we lift everyone's spirits? We loved our chat we had with both of you guys when we were planning the podcast episode. And we just thought, let's have a chat about motivating the team around us, anybody that's listening. Um, and Gary, when I I first started at Cisco I remember t talking to you and it came up in conversation that both of us had a shared common hobby which was cold water swimming or cold water therapy immersion and we're both big fans of Wim Hof um, and his methods for breathing and all the benefits that this sort of stuff brings so I just thought we could get onto a bit of a chat about how you use that to kind of combat stress how you use it in your life how people can maybe adopt trying it um, just to lift everyone's spirits in January and then just generally let's just have a chat about how do we set goals for ourselves and um how do we motivate ourselves at the start of a new year to kind of achieve all of our goals and set set out to do everything that we want to do so gary over to you because you've got a really interesting story about your adventure with wim hof so please tell us a bit more yeah for sure um so basically how i came across wim hof i read about him in a book called tools of titans and i read about like how he has world records for sort of cold exposure, all that type of stuff. And I thought, that's great, but I didn't really do anything with it. And then actually when I went to a Cisco conference and I, and I came back from the US, I actually got a slip disc. So, and I was in real pain and, I, you know, I was going to the physio, nothing was working, um, had a couple of injections and honestly, it was really debil debilitating, should I say. Um, and I went to another physio and he was really, really good. And then during the session, he goes, oh, have you ever heard of Wim Hof? And I said, yeah. And he goes, he basically, he changed my life and the way that I sort of you know, do, run my practice. So I thought, do you know what? I'll go to this guy because he was actually coming to London. And I went with another friend from Meraki. And I've got a few people from Meraki actually into Wim Hof. And I went into the ice bath at the end. So he starts off, you're doing breathing. Um, and it's like sort of meditation in a way. You, you feel really good after it. And I went into the ice bath and... It was the coldest thing ever. And within two minutes after being in there, like my back just seemed to be healed. And I just thought, this is amazing. So I started practicing it a little bit. I just started doing cold showers. You know, me and my friends set up a WhatsApp group to do a cold shower every day. So you'd message if you did the cold shower. I just felt really good. And me and my dad and, you know, my family since have sort of went into the water here most weekends, if we can, like just for maybe five minutes. And when I say swim, I use that very lightly. It's more like a dip um, and talking. But then I decided I really want to master the Wim Hof stuff. So I booked a trip to Poland and it was five days. 
And probably the best thing I've ever done. Funny enough, it was at the end of Cisco's quarter in January 2020. But I thought, you know what? It has to be done. I really have to do this for me. Um, and there was probably like maybe 80 people there and you were put into different groups. And basically it was all cold immersion. Like there was one point where we spent 10 minutes in ice cold water with Wim Hof himself. And like after a while you start to sort of warm up and it was just such a beautiful sort of setting. And, you know, there was a lot of gratitude there as well. And then at the end of the course, you basically hiked a mountain just in your shorts. And it, it was about minus eight degrees. And I don't think like during it, we're breathing and we're not really talking. And at one point, someone at the top of a mountain, a, a Polish guy, asked if someone could sort of push his car because it was stuck in snow. And then all of our group had to stop. And then we realized, oh, my God, it's actually you know freezing here. Um, but it just felt so good after it. And he has a reputation for the cold swimming, but the breathing is next level stuff so i practice that i get up at 5 a.m like most mornings and i'll practice that for 20 minutes and listen to meditation music but when wim hof did the breathing with us like he just took us to i probably I, I probably won't go into it fully here but like i was just in a different place like and it was just through breathing like i just felt so good afterwards so um so i highly recommend it i mean there was one point during a, a cisco sort of conference that we're at and I actually accidentally coffee spilled on my laptop and <laughs> I remember my Cisco colleague goes oh my god like how are you so calm after this like if, if coffee spilled on my laptop I'd be freaking out but I, and I literally put it down to the Wim Hof and the breathing and just just re relaxing I guess so yeah that's probably yeah. the best decision you ever made getting a wee trip out January 2020 and then actually set you up for the whole of the pandemic so <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's it's just consistency with it. But like, it's different for everyone, right? Some people might not resonate with that. There might be something else. But for me, there's just something to do with the cold immersion as well and the breathing. I think it just, it almost like gets you stressed before the day starts and then nothing else can, can really go wrong. I think that's a good way to explain it because I'm the same. I sort of dabbled with it during lockdown and then... Um, actually joined like there's two sisters who live near where I do and they've started a basically a class like a whole cult of like women that they encourage to come along to these classes and get in the water and it's, it's just like such a release like you can't really explain it and it's so true like you psych yourself up you get so worked up about doing it and I'm the same I'll get up maybe like six o'clock in the morning and go with one of my friends and literally like when you've thrown yourself into like minus degrees water in the morning there's nothing more stressful that that day that can come like you've basically done the worst thing that you could do that day but the buzz that you get after it like I'm obsessed with it I don't get to do it enough I wish I could do it every day I just don't live close enough to somewhere where I can do that I thought about investing in the barrels that everyone has um but I just remember like I joined like a class with like the two girls that run classes and it was just incredible and we went one night and I think it was like a full moon night and they're quite spiritual in that sense and you went and like you kind of they did all the breathe, breathing work with you and you do you just like feel on like a different planet and then you got to write down like something that was like negative and holding you back and then we all did this thing where you threw it into like the fire and then you just went in the water and it was like a total cleanse and I know that that will not appeal to some people and some people will be like this sounds mental but honestly if you haven't tried it like I would highly recommend it so that's kind of like what I turn to if I'm getting really quite overwhelmed or stressed I'll like text my friend that comes cold water dipping with me and be like I need to get in the water like let's go so and I just find that it helps enormously so there's a really good saying as well I think it's from the happy pair who are Irish twins who sort of do this as well um, but they said basically, I like the I don't like the person that goes in to the water, but I love the person that comes out. And I think that sort of sums it up nicely. Joe and Rosie, do you have anything that you guys do to sort of get yourself de-stressed or motivate yourself? Or, oh, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll go first, and I'm interested to hear about Rosie. Uh, so about a year ago, I would say December 2020, I acquired a Peloton. Uh, nice. I I got it on a whim. It was one of those uh, things, the gyms weren't open, and I felt like I had to do something because uh, all of my energy was uh, not getting burned off. Uh, and it was causing a, a rift at the house when I had way too much energy <laughs> bouncing off the walls. <laughs> so, so, I can sympathize. Uh, <laughs> 
So we got a Peloton, and I was like, all right, cool. I guess I guess it's going to be great. Um, and then I started riding it. I, I just really fell in love with the, the content and the platform. Um, and I got really, really into it. And then I uh, lost some weight. And then my wife was like, man, Joe, your legs are looking great, but you are scrawny. You, you need to do something. You need to do something about your arms. And I, and I was like... Thanks. Thanks for that. Uh, Get paid with your arms on the Peloton. Well, so I was like, all right, what can I do that's going to help me out? So I started doing yoga. And uh, up until this point, like, I feel like I was flexible enough to bend over and touch my knees, um, which was great. Uh, (laughs) It's not very hard. uh, But that's really where my flexibility was. uh, And and so I started doing yoga classes and a bit of meditation and kind of mixed that in with my cycling. And to be honest, since then, I've kind of fallen in love with like that. And when I get really stressed or I need to like unplug from the world, I shut it all down and I'll do like a 30 minute, 45 minute yoga session and then 10 to 15 minutes of meditation either before or after. And I feel like I've reset my day or my week at that point. I get done and I, I can just start to focus on other things. Um, and I've, I never thought of myself as someone that would get into that sort of activity. You know, I feel like a year ago I would have left off yoga. Uh, and now I know I find myself doing it almost daily, if not like multiple times per week. And that's really helped, like help me focus in on what's important to my life. And on the plus side, uh, shoulders are turning out a little bit better now than they were even six months ago. So The wife's uh, happy. So she's much, much, well, she's just not making fun of me as much anymore. So it's all, it's all good. How about you, Rosie? How are, uh, how are you unwinding? Funny you should say yoga. So I, I'm very bad. So my New Year's resolution is I need to get into better routines. Because once I'm in a routine, I'm very like focused. But if I get out of the routine, I'm useless. Like I, I will literally like, you know, stop everything, like nothing. And I just become very lazy. So I do. Um, That's my New Year's resolution to get back into, especially with all the actual events we have this year. I think like because we didn't have any events and nothing to go to the last two years, I just like, you know, kind of stopped all of my routines. Whereas this year you're like, oh my goodness, I've got to actually see people. Uh, so I need to get back into shape. But um, pre-pandemic and going to the office, I used to do hot pod yoga twice a week. Uh, and I loved it because you just like totally switch off. You, they, they, um, it's like the weirdest thing. It's like a little tent almost that you get into and they zip you up and there's about 15 other people. I haven't been since COVID because um, I became a bit of a air quality, you know, I mean, it's probably fine, but, you know, I get a bit stressed about that. So then, um, but I loved it because actually, you know, once you'd done it and you'd done, I think it's 45 minutes, I can't quite remember, but you are so, I've never sweat so much in my life. Like you literally come out dripping, but the sleep you have that evening, is there's just nothing can compare. You're literally, you know, out out cold. It is brilliant. But I think uh, during the last two years, pandemic wise, we've got a little dog called Harold, who I'm actually surprised is asleep on the on the bed next door. But um, I will go out for a walk with him, but actually just take no phone, no AirPods, no nothing, and literally just have a walk by myself. Because I think, you know, you have constantly people pinging you, you know, emailing you, IMing you, you know, someone's, you've got your group text on your phone or whatever. So, like, sometimes even though you're going for a walk, you just don't properly switch off. So I think it's nice for me, like, I'll go a walk by myself with nothing and just, like, focus on me and Harold. And I think that's how, if I get, you know, overwhelmed or I'm stressed, I just literally just go out, him and I, and just do, like, a nice walk. Um, and I, well, I also, like, I've got the Apple Watch that I bought for myself during lockdown. But it's good because then, like, you know, if someone needed to get hold of you, like it was an emergency, they can just ring your Apple Watch and then, you know, you don't have that stress. They <laughs> just disappeared for a couple of hours and no one could get in touch with you. So... But yeah, no, that's what I do. But, but it's just interesting to hear what other people do, isn't it? Yeah. Because I would never get into water. Couldn't, no. couldn't pay me enough to get in. But Rosie, you're very good. 
you are very good at self-care, I feel, because I feel like you like spend time, you go for like a nice facials. And then what was the thing that before Christmas, Rosie and I text outside of work, obviously. And I think I was lying on my sofa, basically just decompressing after the trauma of my evening ritual routine of putting my toddler to bed. So Rosie can't comprehend this. Like we're both millennials, but on different ends of the scale. So every evening I have a battle of getting a two and a half year old bath and into bed. And sometimes afterwards, my husband and I will just sit on the sofa like in silence where you're just like decompressing from the stress of that event so like Rosie was texting me one night being like what are you up to and I was like I'm just lying in silence on the sofa just appreciating the silence and she and I was like what are you up to and she was like I've just been to Harrods in Edinburgh and I've just been for a facial and I'm going home to gua sha my face and I was like what is gua sha and I had to like google it it's like some massage technique and she was like yeah I'm just gua sha my face right now and I was like wow our lives are so different <laughs> like so different yeah well I just like have quite a puffy face I know that sounds weird but no you don't <laughs> no well I do gua sha so I don't have a puffy face but if I so I get quite a lot um like I grind when I'm real stressed I grind my jaw or I clench my jaw when I sleep so when I wake up, my face is so tight. And that's what I mean when I have a puffy face. It's just really swollen from all my clenching during the night. And so gua sha is like, it's like lymphatic drainage. So it's like be essentially scraping with this like gemstone tool that you do on your face and, and down your neck. And you can do it over your shoulders as well. But um, and the tool that you use is, is cooling. So yeah, it's just really lovely. And you do it with an oil. Will it help Joe's shoulders? Can it help? Yeah, I mean... It, maybe it can puff... It, it'll help with, you know, the up. muscle drainage. Yeah, you should give it a go, but so, I love it. Sounds I love fantastic. It. Yeah, it's good. But yeah, just like then if I, you know, I'll, I'll get a headache from, you know, my jaw being too tight. But it just like, if I've got a headache coming on, I just <laughs> quickly wash on. I'm good to go for the rest of the day. So you definitely should give it a go. But yeah. self-care. Yeah, no, I do find it just so interesting what everyone else does. And I think like that's why we are lucky, I guess, to work somewhere like Cisco with the culture of they do encourage us to make sure that we do look after ourselves and get out during the day. So I challenge myself in January, stupidly, to run 5K every day in January. Um, and I don't really like running that much, but I'm one of these people that I become quite obsessive. So if I set myself a goal, I will do it. So come hail, rain, snow, sh like sunshine, I'll go out and do it. Um, but yeah, and that's just purely as well as part of my mission in January. I got into a really bad routine in, in December of just sitting at my desk all day and eating my lunch at my desk and not going outside. And then because we ended up getting a dog walker who helped with the dog, I wasn't even being forced to get myself out with the dog because the dog walker was doing it. So I was like, no, come January, I'm going to make myself get out in daylight because we're short on hours here in Scotland. Okay, it's dark in the morning. It's dark very early in the evening. You need to make the most of the sunlight. So I've been running during um, lunch. And sometimes I'm like, you, Rosie. So I usually like to listen to a podcast or just music some days. But there's other days where I'm just like, I just want to hear nature. Like, I just want to hear birds. And I've, I just don't want anything in my brain I just want to run and have like almost silence in my head so I have it just totally depends on a day how I feel but I totally get that sometimes but out with a dog and just appreciating the silence and the nature just having no noise I think it really helps just literally no noise other than just like your surroundings it does help I think yeah I totally agree with that there's a an Irish singer called Imelda May and she once said like go for a walk without the airpods because if you're constantly listening to podcasts and other people it's like when are you listening to yourself? So I, I totally agree with that. And I'm from a place called Galway in Ireland, and there's a nice promenade here. And the amount of stories, it's not eavesdropping, it's just listening into stories, but you hear some hilarious stuff. Like you could write a book um, on some of the great stories that these these Galwegians have. So, yeah. It makes you laugh. Like my mum and dad, they, then I grew up in Portobello in Edinburgh and they've got a, a promenade and like you, like we always just walk along in the evening when everyone's doing their evening walks, but like you hear different people's conversations and it's just so funny. Like it does give you great content for stories, but yeah, you'll just have, you know, like the, you know, middle-aged women doing the little power walk going up said she said doing the little gossips and you just, it's lovely eavesdropping. <laughs> so we'll finish up here guys but before we go I'm going to put everyone under the under pressure but given that we're trying to motivate and inspire for this January episode let's end with a favourite quote that you have 
about maybe that something that inspires you or something that you live by not even a quote but maybe like something a rule that you live by or a motto or anything I can start give everyone a little minute to uh thanks think Joe about thanks it. we all appreciate <laughs> that because I don't even know what I'm gonna say so <laughs> yeah I I I'm all about carpe diem seize the day uh you only get one trip around this planet right so every make every day count uh, you know, whatever that means to you in your day. Um, that's how I look at it. Every day I get up, it's a blessing. And uh, I've only got so many hours to make the most of. And, and that's what I'm out to do. So um, that's that's really what inspires me every day. Brilliant. Love it. <clears throat> now, mine says this shall pass. Whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, like, you know, like it will always be okay and you know what if, if you're going through a bad time it shall pass and if you're going through a good time and you know you're on to your next chapter of your life like this shall pass and, uh, and on you go so it kind of is a good um you leave it behind whatever it is yeah i like that too thanks rosie mine is probably like i went to a lot of business seminars there used to be what's known as a, a seminar junkie and there was always one that everyone brought up and it was you can be right or you can be rich but you can't be both and for me, it didn't mean rich like monetary. It could be, you know, uh, it could be health. It could be physical. It could be spiritual and whatnot. So for me, my takeaway there is like you don't always have to be right. Like sometimes you can you can let other people sort of, I, I guess, go on and maybe win an argument. Um, you got to look after your sort of your richness, I guess, overall. So that's probably my one. Brilliant. I, I have a couple, but I guess kind of following on from what you said, Gary, I read a book recently and I've kind of fallen out of reading books recently. Again, I'm more of an audio learner, so I tend to kind of listen to things. But over Christmas, I thought I'm going to start reading books again. And I read one called Tuesdays with Maury. Has anyone read it? So, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, yeah, that's uh, so the guy who wrote that book is from where I grew up. No way. So yeah, I'm, now on his, I'm now on his second one, which is Five People You'll Meet in Heaven. But Tuesdays with Maury was just an easy, lovely book. And I cried at the end. It was just brilliant. But essentially, it was about the power of having a mentor in your life or a teacher and, and what you can learn from people. And the real motto of the story is about time and it is about carpe diem and, and you've got to live every day and don't get too caught up in like the silly things like work and, and stress. And and at the end of it, essentially, the biggest learning point is that like you get more in life from giving. And that can be, it doesn't necessarily mean like giving money away or anything, but I totally relate to that. Like I love nothing more than at Christmas than to give gifts rather than receive and I love being able to give my time to help people and I do get that like I think the joy that you feel from giving and knowing that you've given either a wisdom or time or something that someone else needs I think is just so important and I think if anyone's not read Choosing the Mori it takes a couple of evenings to read it's a lovely little book and it's got a great story behind it so that would be mine I guess giving is probably the, the best thing you can do in life so um but yeah, that was a lovely way to end, guys. I really appreciate everyone's time. Um, so nice to hear a bit more about Meraki because I'm so siloed in my collaboration world that I don't really get to know too much. So Rosie, obviously, as an account manager, you kind of do understand all the pieces of our architectures at Cisco, but I love getting to hear about what everyone else is up to. So it's been brilliant. Yeah, thanks so much, guys, for bringing us on. I'm sure we'll be back at some point, Joe. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, love it. Thank you guys so much for having us. We love to talk about life in Meraki and uh, we'd love to come back again in the future and talk more. Thanks, guys. Well, Rosie, how was that? Another great guest, plural, guests. That was a brilliant little chat that we just had with Gary and Joe. Um, fingers crossed that everyone else enjoyed it as much as we did, but you totally can hear how passionate those guys are about their jobs, can't you? Like That is just the vibe that you get from everyone at Meraki. It's brilliant. And I think Meraki is just one of these technologies that is so exciting. So there's no wonder that they just love selling it and love being part of the Cisco Meraki team. So um, yeah, hopefully everyone found it as interesting as I did. Yeah. And it's actually so interesting as well to just hear all those different ways that everyone else combats stress and sets themselves goals and motivates themselves. I really liked that chat. It was a good one. It's good just to get new ideas going into the new year about what else you could be doing other than what you've been doing for the past two years through the pandemic. So just changing it up in the new year. So Rosie, does that mean are you going to be coming and joining me the next time I throw myself into some minus three degrees water or... <laughs> 
No. I mean, I'll never say never, <laughs> but I think I would need a lot of persuasion. <laughs> You'd rather be a home cozy gua sha in your face, wouldn't you? Correct. <laughs> uh, in, so my, it- in my new Skims loungewear that I got for Christmas that I don't you're, think I'm ever out of now. <laughs> you're so extra. So extra. I love it. So Rosie, tell us what's coming up in next month's episode. What can everyone look forward to if they tune in? So do you know what? I feel like we've had a real good start to the content of the podcast because we've got a really exciting next episode where we are focusing and highlighting National Apprentice Week. And we've got some guest apprentice on the podcast to kind of explain their experience around doing apprentices at apprenticeships at Cisco, which I think will be a great insight to anyone who's maybe thinking about joining um, the Cisco apprenticeship program in the future. And then we have a very special guest, which I think we should just keep as a surprise. Yeah, let's keep a surprise. I know we want to go, we want to keep people coming back, don't we? So yeah, we won't give too much away. But no, I'm super excited about the next episode. I think um, to put a spotlight on apprenticeships is so important, just to ex- explore other ways of getting into the industry. So yeah, I'm really excited to speak to the apprentices and our special guests. So yeah, guys, thanks again for joining us this um, episode, and we really hope to see you again in February when we are celebrating National Apprenticeship Week. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Rosie. Thanks, Colette. Bye.